0: back to the hollow sky podcast we are your hosts i'm steven and kyle and today we are diving into the fourth and final part of the hellfire farm uh if you haven't listened to the first three definitely go back and do so so you can catch up with what's been going on with the rich family and the things that they have been going through before we do that, we got to get through the business. So check us out at all social medias Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Reddit, Discord. Search up the Hollow Sky Podcast. Come and be part of the holocult. Cult. You know the drill. If you have a paranormal encounter that you'd like for us to feature on our listener experience show that drops on Thursdays, Kyle's got some deets for you.
1: You can write your story out, shoot it over the email, which is going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. You can call or text the holophone, which is going to be 618-556-0837. You can also reach out to us on our socials or record yourself and shoot it over to the email. Any way that you want to do this, have at it. We also have a PO box. You can shoot things to, which is going to be PO box 145 field in Illinois, 62031. If you can't write all that down, check the show notes. It's in the show notes.
0: If you'd like to support the show, there's plenty of ways you can do it. We have a Patreon. You can go sign up for extra, extra curriculars, extra content, and I don't know, maybe extracurriculars, it depends on how you listen, I guess. Um, we have a website with some merch you can go check out. That's going to be refreshed here. In a while, we got some new stuff coming in, so we want to get it all out there at the same time. So if you guys want to order all the cool stuff at the same time, you can do it all at once. Uh, we have a Venmo. You can throw us some pocket change for all of our bad habits. Best thing you can do is share the show word of mouth. Uh, it helps tremendously with the show. The more people that listen, the more that we can dedicate time to the show to create more content. And you know, you guys know how it works. Just keep spreading the word. You've been doing great. We appreciate it. Keep spreading the word of the cult. Uh, you can go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five star rating and review. And when I find them, I will shout them out. Like today's being brought to us by our friend, Biggest Riz. Hell yeah. Biggest Riz says five stars. Best and most genuine paranormal podcast, period. All caps. Screaming it. These two guys are smart, dedicated, and cool perfect podcast to unwind at the end of a long day. I cannot recommend this podcast enough. Huge fan from the Sunshine State. Biggest Riz, thank you.
1: Mad love.
0: Mad love. Thank you for taking the time to just say nice things and be a nice person. Agreed. Because that's what it's about. You know, that's what it's about. And we appreciate it. I don't know what coal means, but I'm going to look it up and I hope it's positive, which I have no doubt that it is. <laughs> but again, you can be like Biggest Riz and leave us nice things and I'll read them when I find them. That being said, we are diving right back in to this hellfire farm. Um, I'm excited. So we left off. With the pendant that was found In Liz's mother's living room that no Yeah, one, yeah No one could account for Had the weird Egyptian symbols on it um, Bill touched it Got electrocuted essentially By some other force Smashed it with a hammer
1: Which I mean What else are you gonna do in that scenario? I mean, seems kind of excessive he, Bill's, At the same time He's had a lot of shit going on uh, That's true, so he's, yeah <laughs> I mean, justifiably so. But if it's like a legit Egyptian necklace, I don't know that I'm trying to destroy that. It's kind of cool to have. Unless it's cursed. Still kind of cool to have.
0: Yeah, And then Bill could have sent it to us if he would have been planning for the future. Exactly. Um, he could have put
1: min- it on Lucy back there. That's true. That's Just true. juice her the fuck up.
0: I had mentioned in the last episode that I thought that there was an Egyptian tie-in in in an earlier episode, but I don't believe that I uh, added it because I didn't think it was really necessary to the story. Now I stand corrected. So I went back, looked it up and found out the Egyptian kind of tie-in. So at the very beginning, when Bill and Liz first got together Bill had booked a trip to Egypt uh, for him, Liz, and Lawrence. Kind of a vacation and a bonding trip for the new family. Lawrence had always wanted to go to Egypt. as one of his lifelong dreams to see the pyramids. And Bill thought it would help with some of the stress and transition from the divorce into a new family. One of the first locations Lawrence wanted to visit, of course, was the Great Pyramid of Cheops or Khufu or the Great Pyramid of Giza. This is the, the biggest pyramid. Uh, Bill purchased a walking tour that led deep into the actual pyramid itself as he wanted him to get the full experience because Lawrence will probably never get the opportunity to go back. Liz was the first to enter the burial chamber, which you had to go down this long, dark uh, series of corridors to get there. She stood by herself in the dark of the room when all of a sudden her eyes started focusing on these tiny lights that were all around her. She described them as being like lasers shooting from the walls there weren't any lights in there with that capability in the chamber. So she had no way to explain it. She thought maybe it was the darkness playing on her eyes, but she wasn't sure as bill and Lawrence entered the room. She asked them if they could see the lights as well, but they could not. But bill did mention that he immediately felt uneasy. He said, I don't know what's wrong, but I can feel something immediately after that. They felt as if there was some presence in the room with them. The terror of this unseen presence built to the point that they felt that their lives were endangered, So they turned and ran through the corridors of the pyramid and didn't stop until they got out. So pretty substantial. Uh, again, I could go into the lore and experience this around the pyramids, but I feel like uh, that could be a whole show in itself. We know there's talk about ancient aliens and advanced technology, unknown power sources. There's been reported hauntings there paranormal investigations the whole nine that is for another show but it does tie in to this because of the pendant that was found bill also noted that this was the first paranormal experience that they had as a family so it started in the pyramid if it's tied to not in health and and at this point they were living with Liz's mother in law. Again, this is a common theme. Shit goes sideways. Liz's mother in law, the saint that she is, takes them all in, says, Hey, you can come live here. But not forever. So by June of nineteen. 1990- drag this
1: drag this Egyptian ass her <laughs> spirit with you everywhere you go. Yeah. If that's true, that's I feel like that's gotta be exceptionally shitty, right? I just I don't know why I just feel like A pissed Egyptian curse slash God Comes with a lot of severity
0: Oh he comes back
1: The Egyptian dude
0: He makes his presence known <laughs> Okay he makes I'm his waiting I'm awaiting this the house. Okay so by June of 1991 Liz's mom's like hey you know, times are kind of rough. You can't stay here anymore,
1: which is understandable. It's not Brendan and Fraser, is it? Yes. Did he show up in the house? Okay. In the rock. Good.
0: <laughs> so when they returned to the home, it was almost as if having been empty made the house worse. Bill stated that all the grass in the garden had turned yellow and dead. Bill had left one of the windows cracked open so the cat could get inside out of the weather. When he went in, the cat wasn't the only thing that made its way in there A bunch of birds did too And they had gotten into the home and died Which is probably an ominous sign
1: Well that, that's definitely Part of the course though Because I'm going to tell you right now I'm going to have my garage door open The back garage door open And birds will get stuck in my garage And eventually die Yeah, Because they cannot figure out how to fly out The same way they fucking came in Because they're not real that may have something and to do no with. There's no
0: power that. lines for them to recharge themselves.
1: <laughs> I love it. I <laughs> hope that I hope that's true because that <laughs> would explain why they're exceptionally dumb. <laughs> it makes me so mad when they do that. Yeah. That's the but only also explanation. what the fuck did you expect leaving a window open, man?
0: I I don't I know mean, if there's more to it like maybe he's like, "Hey, maybe if I leave these windows open, all these fucked up entities will also leave."
1: I don't think that's how that works. Know me either. And like I said, what did you expect? You left a window open with no screen in it. Full of dead of birds. Of course, there's gonna be a bunch of stuff that gets in your house. It's
0: probably better than being full of dead people. Yeah. That'd be hard to explain away.
1: That would be a difficult task. Look at the
0: bright side, Bill. Dead birds are easier to explain away than dead people. I
1: guess you could always I guess you can always say it could be worse. It could. Be
0: worse. Um, after he cleaned up the dead birds, enter Reverend David Holmwood and the person with probably the best name of this whole story, Anita Dick. So
1: awesome! Uh,
0: they make How contact. Do you take
1: that person serious?
0: Yeah, she's she, apparently she's a badass. Anita Dick is an I'm American. Sure
1: is. It just it's not a very cool name. I no. would change my name.
0: So the Reverend had heard about this and um, contacted Anita. Anita is an American woman who was a reformed Satanist that had been exercised by Arthur Neal. I looked up Arthur Neal and what I can find is that he was a prominent American exorcist. So she had dabbled in the darkness and Neal brought her out. Interesting. So Homewood and Dick did a walkthrough of the home and scheduled an interview with Bill and Liz the following day. On their way back to the farm, I don't know if this is consequential or what what was happening, a giant owl flew out in front of them and struck the car. Anita was certain that this was a sign of Satan trying to stop them from going and helping the family. They made it back, did their interrogation, and the pair decided to dive into the cleansing a few weeks later, July of 91. At this point, Liz had taken the kids and went back to Cowbridge with their mother, as she did with every one of the exorcisms. She wanted to get the kids away because they just wanted to keep them away from the strangeness as much as possible.
1: Well, that and then you can ramp things up doing that shit, too. Yeah. You know, you can go tenfold. And then to make a note here, if that was Lucifer sending a message trying to stop somebody, you're going to need a way bigger fucking bird. Pterodactyl. Something like that. Because if I hit an owl with my car, I'm just gonna think it's dumb luck. Just bad luck. Yeah. Right? Or an alien. Which is worse. But yeah. Which is but it's not worse. enough to like stop me in my tracks.
0: Yeah. So um Liz took the kids to Crow Cowbridge with her mother-in-law. And Bill met David and Anita there. They'd been prepping for days, praying and fasting to confront whatever resided in the home. So he met them in Crowbridge and they decided to follow him out. As they were driving, Bill lost sight of them. He stopped and waited, but heard nothing. He got out of his car, couldn't hear him. He decided that maybe they had turned around for something, so he just went on to the farm. As he got there, he waited again for some time standing by the driveway and just listening. After about 15 minutes of waiting, they pulled up. They exited the car and looked like they had been in a fight, essentially. They were shaken. They were pale. Um, The color had left their faces. They explained to Bill that the enemy had attacked them while they were driving. It caused the car to go off the road, and there they'd struggled with the entity, praying and calling on it to leave Bill alone. Bill asked them to tell them what else had happened But they simply smiled and said that it was over The enemy was gone And there was nothing more for them to do I find it weird that they keep referring to Him as the enemy Or as this entity as the enemy
1: Yeah That, okay So I stand corrected there, that's a more Valuable sign sending an entity instead of an owl To try to whip that ass Yeah (laughs) But they, so according to them, they they smoked it, it's done, it's over with.
0: Yes. Obviously, Bill is skeptical, but he noted that as he opened the gate to the house, as it had done so many times before, it once again felt like the fear and the terror had been lifted and everything was calm. David and Anita made it clear to Bill that it was necessary to remove any, or remove the home of all evil influences or anything that might attract, quote, an evil presence. As they move through Dude, bills.
1: Please tell me they list things. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes when you deal with this type of shit, that's what people will tell you. They'll just use that phrase and then, you know, you, you, I can just see it now. Somebody tells me this and I'm like, okay, that's great. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. And then that's the end of the conversation. And then as I'm going inside and they're driving away, I go, wait a minute. <laughs> what the fuck am I supposed to take out of my house? It's not. Not specific at all. Yeah, I don't know what to do now.
0: Uh. But they go in and they want to remove anything that might attract an evil presence. As they move throughout the home, the first thing that they saw was one of Bill's paintings. It was one that he had just finished but was very proud of. The centerpiece of the painting was a surreal eye surrounded by a triangle. David insisted that this could be a beacon that may further bring evil into the home and then it had to go. Bill was clearly distraught at the thought of his labor of love being removed from his studio, but he was at a point at that point where he was so like just defeated that he just carried the car to the painting. Um, In an interview, David said he noted the symbolism of the all seeing eye linked it to Freemasonry. The symbols can attract things, this, that, and the other. Uh, But that was just the tip of the iceberg. They systematically went through all of David and Liz's possessions. More of Bill's paintings went. Some antique antique brass incense burners that he had acquired in his travels. A life-size papier-mâché figure of a man. Like, he had some weird shit. Like, I have weird shit, but Bill had some weird shit. Uh, he had a small collection of books that he had acquired over the years. Uh, David and Anita took 54 of these books. Some on ancient Spanish, some on Buddhism, some on the occult and paranormal books on ley lines and one book specifically titled satanic rights of the high priests. What? Yeah. Why the fuck would he have that? He said he used it as reference material looking or into what? the paranormal.
1: Okay. So like prior. So I, I assume that he got this book after the experiences started Then.
0: I don't know. He said he acquired so it over said. the years.
1: See, I don't know, man. That just makes, like, for me, there's my red flag.
0: He's, if it sounds like he's dabbling in some weird shit. That's where I'm at. But I mean, like, if you look at my bookshelf, it's got weird shit on
1: it. But, but you have a, you have an explanation for it.
0: It's reference material.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's true. But we also, like, you, you don't have a fucking, uh, ancient Egypt's Egyptians manifesting in your house and throwing shit everywhere and all types of just asinine situations happening, which would obviously suggest you're not reading occult magic to, uh, to make my to painting career take off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. If you all of a sudden get really good at painting, I might be a little bit worried. Um, I need to try it. You probably should. <laughs> um, Just don't sell your soul for it.
0: Other, other things that were taken were a bunch of crystals that Bill had collected through his travels as well. They were all gone. When he asked what was going to happen to them, David straight up told him, he's like, we're burning them.
1: You can burn crystals?
0: Well, he smashes them with a hammer. Oh, okay. But everything else is burnt. Paintings, gone. Um, as the riches returned to the home, they didn't feel that the evil that had normally been there was there, but they did feel like something wasn't right. But David being the OG that he was, he remained on call. So anytime something odd happened, they called him and they prayed with the family. Then it would die off again as it always does. Well, that's cool. And it would come back and they'd call him and he was just, he was being pretty cool. Um, They also looked into some alternative history in the farm, like some folklore and stuff, which there were supposedly some unsolved murders that happened there. There were people that were wrongly accused of murders that were executed that were tied to the farm. Uh, Mrs. Holcomb, which is the mother of the man who previously owned the farm. She lived there. There was a tale that toward the end of her life, she encountered something so evil at the farm that she requested that not only the, the vicar of the local church, but the entire choir come and cleanse the home. Other people that lived there during the time that were still alive and interviewed said that they remembered the, the whole congregation moving toward Hellfire Farm, singing hymns on their way up there. To essentially cleanse the house. Because they said Miss uh, Holcomb said they needed that many people to counteract the evil that was in the home.
1: Dude, I don't even know what to do right now. Bro, it sucks. Like, there's just so much going on at this location. It gets worse. Of course it does. I, I mean, gotta- why... Why wouldn't it? I got to give it
0: to Chadbourne. Like he put his time in on this book again. Mark Chadbourne testimony. Read it. He interviews all these people. Excellent read. Excellent read. Like I was plowing through it. I got it on the on the, my Kindle. Actually, I don't have a Kindle. It's on my computer. Just slamming through it. It was. <laughs> it's good, and I love like he'll tell the uh, the accounts of the case, and then he interviewed the people as he was writing the book. He interviewed um, Mr. Holcomb, the old woman's son, who lived there. He said he didn't recall his mother ever saying there was anything paranormal, uh, but it could have. The lines could have got crossed throughout the time where she lived there, he lived there, now they live there.
1: Well, at least he's honest. Yeah, you know, and and the writer is honest for putting that in there. Yeah,
0: he does cover his bases quite a bit. From here, uh, Chadborn moves in to. The History of Ley Lines and Dowsers. So again, just like the pyramids, I'm not going to go into a lessons on ley lines here. That could be their uh, whole episode to itself. But as a little synopsis, there's this series of crisscrossing lines across the planet. It's said that these lines have particularly powerful energies tied to them. Some think that they may be radioactive. Uh, we know that many ancient megalithic sites are built on these supposed lines. They've been attributed to a ton of paranormal phenomenon, haunted sites laying on them, UFO sighting, orbs, odds, lights, uh, missing people, like anything paranormal, have been attributed to these ley lines. Even in ancient folklore, it's said that the dead used to walk these lines to get to the afterlife. Chad That's Born,
1: a crazy thought, Yeah, like a crazy picture that you have in your head
0: when he put that in there that was that was what chad Bourne put that that in ancient folklores the dead would walk these lines i'm like oh shit he does go on to mention there's no specific proof that these lines produce any type of energy but it is noted that people living on them have a higher rate of mental and physical illness like cancer and epilepsy they go on to state that some of these lines are called black streams, which are way more negative than the other ley lines. They bring in. And I negative just want to look into ley lines. Oh, dude, it's it gets deep. Uh, these black streams bring in more negative energy. Not only do they trap human spirits, but also attract non-human spirits.
1: So here would be a question. I know it's fucking off topic, so I apologize for yeah. that, but. It would be interesting if they're assuming there would be a metaphorical list of black ley lines and white ley lines. It would be interesting to see the structures housed along each of those ley lines or the lack thereof on certain ley lines. That would be fucking interesting. Yep.
0: I agree. I think that's... That's why I said that could be a whole episode on its own. That
1: right? would be fucking baller to go find out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, that being said, you're probably going to hear more about Ley Lines in a future show.
1: I'm interested.
0: <laughs> so, according to a few local dowsers, Hellfinog has a bunch of lines running through the property. Notably, a confluence of crossing lines right beneath the home Specifically, two black streams underneath the hallway that leads to the bathroom, where the electric meter also resides, sucking all. Oh, that's fucking weird.
1: That's fucking weird. That gives me goosebumps, man. Thinking about these two dark ass lines crossing underneath the house.
0: It's like Ghostbusters.
1: That's what, dude, that's like the, the, the moment you mentioned Black Streams, I'm like, this is Ghostbusters. Yeah. This is the ooze.
0: Yep. So, Chadbourne says, quote, that the farm might not only be the most supernaturally affic- afflicted house in Britain, but it's also at the nexus of the most potentially negative earth energy. Sucks. Yeah.
1: So he's like, he's legitimately saying like, this could be the shittiest place on the planet. Yes. And you picked it. Yes. So. That's crazy.
0: Moving on to the person with the second greatest name in this book, Dickie Dodds. Awesome. Dickie was a local dowser that visited the farm to try to help in 97. He stated that he began looking into dowsing and ley lines after his wife had got cancer for they had her bed. They slept in separate rooms and her bed was over one of these dark streams. She had gotten cancer from, from supposedly sleeping over this dark stream. They sold the house. The next woman that moved in kept the same bedroom also developed cancer.
1: That's Weird. Weird. So, yeah, it's either something in the house, on the property, or it's the, the actual side effects of these streams.
0: Of the possible radiation that is, comes with these, these black crazy. streams. He went out, and his main method, there's tons of ways that people believe that you can alter these um, streams. They have one thing called a radiator or something where it's supposed to alter the flow of radiation from these streams. Some people drive giant metal rods into their property that is supposed to split these up and change the um, path that they follow.
1: Oh, that's not terrifying. Let's <laughs> well, just fucking spider web dark streams all over the planet. Yeah,
0: just like, I'm not dealing with it. I'm going to send to my neighbor. <laughs>
1: yeah, like fucking... Be responsible with your dark stream there, bud. <laughs> uh, Dickie's main
0: source of altering the black streams is crystals. He said he set some under his wife's bed and she started to get better. He went to the farm and he set up a perimeter around the farm a 600 meter circle around the Damn. entire farm. He used 62 specific crystals that he put around the farm with the center being where the confluence of those lines crossed in the bathroom. He went on to note that the crystals are small. He said he didn't know if it worked or not because an an, an animal could essentially move one of the crystals and knock it out of balance. But he did bring up a point that I was like, Hmm, that's pretty interesting. He states that a lot of megalithic structures like the huge stones contain quartz. These court crystals are on all these ley lines, essentially either altering the ley lines or keeping something in or keeping something out. And he says that as humans progressed, a lot of people didn't take these megalithic structures seriously and move them, tore them down for farming, for grazing, for pastures, you know, roadways, highways, they just plowed the fuck over them. Yeah, and he thinks that this could possibly alter whatever that they the ancients have put in place to keep these ley lines at bay.
1: That's weird, because when you're talking about ley lines, I I instantly wanted to wanted to know, um, when they were quote like created slash founded or or you know what I mean, like the the origins of ley lines, like where. Where did that come from? Where did that concept come from? Yeah. Why did that concept present itself?
0: And and that on itself makes you wonder if if ancient people had knowledge of the lines and built the megalithic structures on the lines, because you can line them up like with the pyramids and with stone. Oh, it's
1: crazy. It's crazy.
0: Or did people make the lines in line with the structures after the structures were built? You know what I mean? Like fit this yeah, narrative. Yeah,
1: that's true. But that's still like the... The significance of that is still crazy because the fact that, I mean, because I guarantee right now with the technology that we have and understand you and me, we could not build a pyramid in, in the United States and then you build one over <laughs> wherever BFE in China <laughs> and those two be perfectly in sync with each other. That's true. If we there's no possible way you and me can do that. I ain't building no fucking pyramid. That's too much. That's work. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. We couldn't build sandcastles. No, we couldn't put them. We couldn't put them in a straight line on a beach, a hundred yards apart.
0: We're doing our best to build a podcast.
1: That's what I'm saying. And that doesn't require numbers.
0: <laughs> but coming back to um, the not the present time, but the present time when this was going on. Uh, whatever Anita and David did seemed to lull the farm back into its dormancy as it always does. This time it was for quite a while, from July of 91 to spring of 93. They didn't feel nice. the evil or terror, but just still that things weren't quite right. But the terror was gone. It is I'm worth noticed. noting that Anita was throwing out some, some, all sorts of shit. She said that Liz was a conductor of evil and she was responsible for pulling souls from hell what to the farm and that bill was essentially like the air traffic controller bringing in the souls from hell. So that being said, Bill's a little skeptical at all this stuff. Like he is a man at his wits end. But he's still skeptical when people start throwing this stuff at him. Like, hey.
1: I'm going to be honest. I probably would be too. Yeah. If somebody was talking about my old lady like that. Bro. Kyle. Your old lady. She's actually dragging souls from hell.
0: She's the conductor of Hell's Symphony. Yeah. Sorry about you.
1: And you, you're kind of like the beacon that gets shot right at you. I'd be like, "What drugs are you on?" That is a sweet lady there. She makes some mean white chicken chili. That's probably what's calling okay. all the souls in from hell. That now you we want you want to you want to use that that her cooking is what's dragging her. Okay, uh, I can. There's I have no defense against that. that. That's what I'm saying. I can get behind that because it's good. I just if like it's good enough to drag souls out of hell. Then I married a good chili. one. um,
0: Again, Bill didn't necessarily buy into it, but it was to the point where he wanted to note it in his interview that this is what the, some of the stuff that they were throwing out there. Okay. So 93. um, Oh, I did want to mention, I I know I didn't write this down, but at this point, Lawrence had moved in, moved back in with his mother, moved out of the home. He uh, went to school Dropped out, but got a job working at a hotel as a uh, bag boy. But after he moved out, his whole demeanor turned a hundred percent. Like he was better. Did a one eighty, nope, infinitely better. He it even got to the point where when his dad went to visit, he thanked his dad. He's like, "You saved my
1: life, getting me out of that house." damn that's heavy because how old was he at the time when Still, he got kicked out
0: when he left uh, probably 15 or 16 in high I'll school say he was
1: young yeah so man think about think about the mental state you got to be in that when you're that young you have the capacity to look at your dad and be like yo you you like saved my life man by getting me out of that place yeah yeah that's deep,
0: It's man. a testament to what he was going through. Like,
1: Yeah, for sure. That's yeah, what I mean. Okay. Like, It's crazy.
0: So in the spring of 93, again, the evil was gone, but the house was not what it should be. Still kind of weird heaviness. Uh, then one evening, it returned. Bill would regularly see things out of the corner of his eye, but for the most part during this downtime, he would see them and they would just disappear. He'd see it. He'd be like, okay, whatever. Turn to look, it'd be gone. This one particular evening from the hallway emerged a beautiful woman in white.
1: Weird.
0: Weird. She was tall and slender with her hands pressed together in a prayer position. A long white gown hung over her entire body. Her lips were full, her eyes were large and dark. Bill said she was absolutely breathtaking. He said the mood of the room changed as she moved through it. It was electric and charged. Whatever this entity was wanted him to follow. It made its way through the kitchen, not even acknowledging Bill as it moved into the living room. Just moved on its way. Something kept telling Bill to follow her. He argued with himself in his own mind and finally refused to succumb. Uh, And he he stated, like, it was hard not to follow her. Like, she was enticing. They called Dave right off the rip. As soon as he told Liz about it, they're like, let's call Dave and see what happens. Dave said that this is the spirit of seduction, trying to tempt Bill in an act of splitting him and Liz up. David said, who knows what would have happened if Bill had decided to follow the lady in white. At this point, Bill, I I did think it was weird that... We got another lady in white here. Hands in prayer position. Light and love. Mm, Mm -hmm. Weird. Mm -hmm. Weird. Bill is finishing his masterpiece now. I told you it was a still beating heart he'd started with. Yeah. From there, it had, he painted all of these like tears falling from the sky. And there were these huge tendrils coming out of the heart. And this is another one of those paintings where he just kind of let it take over. Like it was painting and he, there was a image of a man painted into the left side of this painting and the tendrils were just wrapping around and like choking the life out of this man. Bill said when he woke, when he finished the painting and put his brushes down, he looked at it and it was almost like he'd seen it for the first time. Like, how did this happen? And he said, and I couldn't help but think that the man that the life was getting choked out of was myself. It's what the farm was doing to me. The family began having weird dreams. Um, first, Bill and Liz both shared a similar dream, where they finally purchased a new home. They packed the kids up for one last leave from hellfire. They get in their car, they're driving. The brooding house is just disappearing into the background. They drive for what they say is hours, interstates to just keep driving. Where when they pull up to this new house, it is the Hellfire Farm. Every time they both have this dream, and they have it on reoccurring occasions. Like it's letting them know that they cannot escape from this thing.
1: That's terrifying. Sucks. That is terrifying. <laughs>
0: Bill starts having dreams of his own. Bill began dreaming of a beaked figure, half man, half bird, like the Egyptian god Horus. The figure is immobile, stands like a statue, but Bill had a feeling in the dreams that this entity was alive and was watching him. He started to have this dream night after night for almost a month. Then in July of 93, it would change. Bill was standing in the kitchen doing the dishes, looking out the window, kind of the same Liz was when she started to see the dark entities in the woods. When he closed his eyes to breathe in the summer evening air, the image of the bird-headed entity immediately filled his mind. It was so shocking that Bill immediately opened his eyes and it was like a bomb had went off. The darkness and the fear was back and it was with a vengeance. It was, he said it was like something had wrapped around his chest and was just tightening this fear he turned to leave to go get Liz to pray and probably call David. And he said, as he turned there, this thing was the bird-headed entity was standing in the corner, just watching him like a statue. He said it was observing him on some level, but he felt like it was from some plane that he couldn't understand. Like it was watching him, but it was watching every version version of him that it could possibly be out there. He said it was the strangest thing that he'd ever felt. He also said it felt almost as if it was mocking him and threatening him at the same time, like, I am going to do this forever, and you cannot do anything about it. Um. He rushed up to the bedroom to ask Liz to pray with him, pray the prayers of strength that David had showed them, and as soon as they started, the entity appeared in the doorway. Liz also sees it, this giant Egyptian godlike. Horus bird-headed falcon figure. The prayer didn't seem to do anything until Bill mentioned. Bill said, in the name of Jesus, he didn't even finish it, and the entity was gone. They said the fear remained, the terror remained, but the entity disappeared. So Bill did what he was told to do and immediately calls David. They prayed together on the phone. As they were praying, the figure appeared once again in the corner of the kitchen, standing like a statue with its arms at its side. David, as Bill is describing it to David, he says, I can see it too. The fear and, and terror ramps up in Bill's kitchen. Like he said, he was so scared that he was shaking. It was almost like this thing wanted him to leave the phone, go away from the phone line. Um, David begins praying and calling on the name of Jesus. Bill states that this entity is now laughing at you, as he called on the name of Jesus. As the prayer grew more powerful, Bill noticed what he thought was water dripping down onto the figure's head and shoulders. Bill tells David this, and David says, no, quote, it's not water, I've put the blood of Christ on it. The figure didn't flinch, but it did start to shrink when the droplets hit it. When they stopped praying, the figure grew again, this time larger than before, over eight feet tall, and had its arms folded in defiance. The phone line cracked as David prayed harder. He stated that he condemned the figure for the death of Christ, and he would put a wall of fire around it. And at this very moment, a huge circle of fire surrounded the entity. It startled David but he said he didn't feel any of the heat, but he could see the fire. As it burned out, the entity disappeared. Interesting fact here. As I was writing this, when I got to the point of them talking about this, this being a non-human entity, I have my headphones and my microphone pushed off to the side, and I have no power going to our mixer. So there should be no power going to the headphones and the mic. The time that I started talking about non-human entities, the headphones cracked. Like when you put power to them, you can hear it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah.
0: It did it at the That's exact That's fucking same time. weird. Fucking weird, right?
1: That's weird. I wanted to know it's that. Also weird moment. about the entity because a horse is usually a more positive figure.
0: I'm, I don't even know, man. It's like I don't, I don't know a lot
1: just, about Egyptian gods. <laughs> and it In may not even have to do to with look.
0: have to do with Horus cuz i don't know a lot about him anyway but that's what bill equated it to he said it had a falcon like head okay okay and he also said kind of like like a beaked nose whatever it was he Right. Was like the closest thing you get equated to was the egyptian god horus not that it
1: was because, right yeah yeah because i just read just a hair on horus and he's more about protection and and shit like that than protection and healing than torment and damnation yeah. It is fucking crazy that, like, visually, you, you are fucking trying to fight an old God, essentially.
0: Yeah. And uh, they get into that a little bit later on here. Uh, David would go on to say in his interview that he saw this entity while he was in the home doing the walkthrough. He said it was seven feet tall, dark, and angelic presence. Not a good angel. It felt very dark with a beaked nose. No angel wings. It was a tall human figure, but certainly not human. Uh, I sensed it in the kitchen area. I expelled this being in the name of Jesus, but it kept coming back. It must have been a senior being, and it wasn't going to be pushed around. I don't think it was Satan, but it must have been a senior entity. I asked the Lord to put a wall of flame and guardian angels around the home. Oh, how weird is that with our listener experience we just recorded today? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a guardian angel around the home. I accused the creature on behalf of its master of being guilty of causing the death of Jesus. And I told it, if you do not want to be destroyed, you must go. And as the fire died down, the entity disappeared. Um, At this point, David and Liz get to talking to one another and they're like, David has been such a help, but in the scheme of things, he cannot get rid of this. It just keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. So they put David on the back burner and they begin to talk to this Baptist minister named John Aston. As um, at the same time, they're trying to keep their family together and keep the kids in a state of somewhat normalcy. They know they had so many problems with pets in the past that they were a little leery, but they got the family a dog. A Doberman named Bo. And as they set up another cleansing with this new Baptist minister, the closer it got, the more weird the dog started acting. It would growl and bark at the area outside of the bathroom in the hallway. And that intensified the closer it grew toward the exorcism date or the cleansing date to the point to where eventually this Doberman, you know, Dobermans are pretty good sized dogs, right? Yeah, It would just whimper and cry whenever it would look over there. It would got to the point to where it would do nothing, but just lay in front of the fireplace, just curl up, cry and lay in front of the fireplace. So the Baptist minister, John comes in and decides to start with the cleansing. Um, again, Liz does what she always does. Takes the kids to her mother's house. And they get started. Well, this time Liz decided to come back. She didn't want David to have to, or she didn't want Bill to have to deal with it by himself. Well, as she got there, he takes both Bill and Liz in the kitchen and ask if they believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. They both answer yes. He's there with two other uh, Baptist ministers, and they immediately sense something in Liz and take her into a separate room. Where they're talking to her and questioning her. And again, they ask her if Jesus is her Lord and Savior. And when she says yes, all of a sudden, this voice comes out of her. Bill's interview, he said, It's like nothing I've ever heard. He's like, It sent, he said, It made my blood freeze. I said, It sounded like this deep man's voice coming out of my wife. My tiny wife over here said, No, nothing to do with me. And that immediately sent them off into possibly Liz also having some sort of maybe from this home. Nita may have been onto something. Yeah. So they do an act of communion and, and uh, confession, which it kind of like, not confession. They do an act of communion. They, they drink wine, break bread. And um, I know exorcism is a, I think it's a predominantly Catholic thing.
1: I believe so. You know, that's
0: why when, when other religions do it, it doesn't have the same effect. Like you, you read in other exorcism cases of Baptists, Methodists, all these people calling in on their Catholic uh, friends to help out with these exorcisms because it's so deeply rooted in Catholicism. Um, after they do this, again, everything goes back to normal for a while. Then it sparks back up. This is where we bring in Eddie Burks. Eddie Burks is a known clairvoyant and spiritualist. He had been on other big cases in the UK. He was known as the Ghostbuster in UK. And someone reached out to him to see if he would come and help out with the Hellfire Farm. Let me think who the person it was. Oh, this person's name was McDonald. Bill had put out another newspaper article about his electric bill, which had never, never fell off. It was so consistent that they kind of used that as a gauge as to whether or not these cleansings would work, right? They'd get the house cleansed and the electricity bill wouldn't go down. So he's like, something's still here sucking this power out. So they talked to Eddie Burks and, um, This McDonald, he's an artist and a writer who saw Bill's article in the paper, decided to reach out. And he, his wife was a um, documentary maker. He wanted to film Eddie Burke's exorcism of the home. So Bill's like, hold on. I have to think about this. This this uproots my family. And um, that's a pretty big decision that I have to make. That being said... Trigger warning, this gets a little dark. Uh-oh. Bill's depression's kicking in. It's getting horrible. He's sitting at the table. The kids are going crazy. He's thinking about his uh, job failing. His His family is in turmoil. He doesn't have the money to pay the bills. And as he's sitting there, he sees this butcher's knife sitting on the table. And he, he's like, man, I've told Liz time and time and time again, keep it picked up. We've got little kids in here. It's like she must have just slipped her mind, but it's so aggravating. He said when he picked up the knife, there was a voice that said, telling me how nice it would feel going through the skin of my wrist. So he pushes that off. He's like, no, like, I know what you're trying to do. No. Voice kicks back in and it's like Just think about it he's like it's the end of all your issues The end of your problems everything is done If you just do this So Bill's like fuck no Puts the knife in the drawer slams the drawer Shut Turns around to go sit back down as he sits down He looks on the edge of the table There's the knife back That's weird That sucks Yeah So he knocks the knife off the table as Liz is walking in He's like please put that away He's like, get that away from me right now. So I thought that was a little tidbit that was, now it's trying to get Bill to, like...
1: Off himself. Yes.
0: The the full end. Enter Eddie Burks. Eddie Burks is a well-known Ghostbuster, as the tabloids uh, talk to him, or talk about him. He is a retired scientist with the Civil Service. Uh, he had a psychic experience at a child that always kind of kept the paranormal in his periphery. But being a scientist, he was very adamant about keeping the sciences first and the paranormal second. Um, in 1970, he saw his wife, Margaret. She appeared to him after she had died of a heart attack. Later, he also made contact with his brother, Ernest, and his son, Michael, if, after they had passed. So he realized that he had had a special gift, right? So he decided to use, turn professional and use this to help people. Um. Burks would start this by going into a trance and letting whatever power was there sort of communicate to and through him, essentially shutting down his five senses and focusing on the senses that we do not use. Upon going over to the riches, or upon going over the riches case, Burke stated, I was suddenly, quote, I was suddenly aware of information that was given to me. It was guidance. It said there was much confusion in this situation and must be approached with caution. Suspend judgment until as much as possible has been expressed in the psychic sense. Some of it is rather dark, but we will help you with this and give you the need of protection. There, as suggested, are many layers of influence, including early Celtic, which has some unpleasant overtones. Approach the home circumspectly. Start by appraising the garden. We will lead you. So keep your sensitivity sharp. There will be of much interest in this. That is all. As he gets ready to go to the home, he calls on a friend of his that had helped in past exorcism and cleansings, a Captain Ferguson Cunningham. As they're driving to the home, and another interesting uh, parallel to our listener experience, it's dropping Thursday, one of uh, Burke's spirit guide, a North American Indian, sat with him said he was sent to him for extra protection because this is going to be a, sp- a very dangerous situation that Burke is putting himself into. It should also be noted that Burke is the first non-religious... Um, I use religious then like he's not a Christian, he's not a Catholic, he's not any of that. He is just a clairvoyant and a spiritualist. And a lot of people tried to get the riches to not work with him. They said, no, you need you need someone of the cloth. You need someone of Christian faith to help remove this entity. But Bill's like, I've tried everything else. He's like, all the people that I've tried and failed have been of religious background and it has not helped us. So the first thing they did was walk the perimeter of the property. And Burke said he was laying a barrier of light around the property. Then he walked the perimeter of the home, also encircling that with light, essentially creating... A big sphere with a little sphere in, inside of it. Burke said there's a concentration of energy here, and it's not benign. The home is filled with light. I'm aware of the figure of Christ. I'm getting these words, and there will be nowhere left for them to go, and there will be nowhere left for them to go. So they shall lose fold and fall away, and the light shall prevail. Praise be to God. I need to note that when Bill was in his depression— he was so over painting that he went to his masterpiece and just started painting over it. He said he was so pissed off and so angry that like he wanted to get all painting out of his system. And he just started throwing colors on this thing and blacks and grays and reds and just kept painting and painting just furiously for 30 minutes. And at the end, when he stopped, what he looked at was everything about his masterpiece, the heart and everything had been covered over with these dark colors. But in the middle was this giant white cross. Keep that in mind. He called that testimony, which is where the name of the book came from. Burks uh, looks at Bill and he says, Burks doesn't know anything about this, right? He says, I'm aware that close by there's a cross being manifested. First of all, it showed itself as dark. Now it's becoming illuminated from within. It's radiating great power and protection. I am told that this cross, which is standing somewhere in front of me, shall be your protection. Uh, in this house from this point on. The cross is connected to the Christ spirit, which I am sensing is vertically above it. And there is some figure of Christ shedding light upon the cross. The words I'm getting are this. And so shall I leave my mark and my protection upon this place. There shall be no more fear and no more darkness. All will be safe within. Praise be to God. Bill goes on to show Burke the painting, testimony. Burke says this is exactly what I was seeing. He says, We put two cordons of light around the home. The effect was to bring the force that was causing the disturbance. It could not escape. It was forced within the inner cord or the inner cordon. And then he proceeded to continue that the light began to flow as liquid into Hell Fanog. That's why I felt no need to be taken into the home, because Bill had asked him, Do you need me to take you around the house? He's like, No, that's not even necessary. There's nowhere left for it to go. It had to let go. And in doing so, it fell away into the darkness. The cross was then dedicated as a symbol of your protection from this time on. So Bill asked Burke, he's like, is this the way that this always goes down with you? Like, is this like you don't even you didn't even have to be in the home and you protected it. Burke states, quote, this is the first time that I've worked this way. It was working on a higher level than the evil entities, and I was not meant to make any contact with them. Indeed, it was important that I didn't. I was there to bring light. I know when I was coming here last week that we had the message. I was told I would be shown what to do, so I didn't plan anything. It was important that I didn't, because it isn't coming from one's own personality. One should act like a servant, really. He smiled. I think if I were you, I should, as far as possible, try to put the whole thing out of your mind. Try not to dwell on it and turn your back on everything that has happened and face forward to the light. So... That being said, everything kind of tapers off. The evil's kind of gone. Bill uh, Bill and Liz move back in, but they start to feel some things, right? So they call Burks again a couple weeks later. Burks says, um, These things kind of go, have like aftershocks, right? So he said he put on such a beacon of light that hell and Nog now stand of, as like a beacon of spiritual purity. This would essentially attract other lost souls from around the area. He said, if you see anything, don't be afraid. They're simply trying to find their way to where they have to go. And this became a common thing over the next few weeks bill did note that the electricity dropped significantly after burks exercised the home they went from using seven pounds of electricity a day to two which was the first
1: big big change
0: first significant drop they'd ever had out of everything but they did start to see dead people essentially First, it was Liz. She saw a man that was in a car accident. Uh, She said that his face was like completely missing and it kept going. They saw uh, all sorts of apparitions. Um, There was an old lady, an old man, several children, middle-aged men, women, all of them just walking aimlessly, essentially congregating at the garden. This became kind of overwhelming. Uh, Also, it's almost like it was a point of negativity for them because they kept seeing all this stuff, and eventually the electricity bill started to climb back up. Fuck. So they call on Burks again. So in June of 95, he comes back, this time with some backup. Uh, A person named Ralph Noyes, Maurice Gross, and Monahue Keene are three members of the Society for Physical Research, a London based organization with a long history of investigation into the paranormal. Liz took the children away again and they decided to go in all together. Um, Burks kept saying that as he went in, he was trying to identify what this entity was. He kept saying that I'm not picking up any personality at the moment, I can't pick up any personality. Uh, that kind of leads credence to this is something bigger than what they were thinking. He says uh, he quotes, I think a sense of urgency arises from prompting perhaps at another level that something has to be done about this thing. I think this thing, this creature elemental or whatever it is, I shall get a clearer picture a little bit later. It's got to be rendered inoperative, dissolved, dispersed. And that is probably the right term. So I'm going to ask for help in this procedure. It's probably angelic. It may be human spiritual, but the nature of the help, or the nature of the help, whatever responds, I'll do my best to follow it. Um, He goes on to say I'm getting some sense now about what we're dealing with. It's very ancient, it preceded events about which we know, it even preceded the black magic rituals which took place in the middle of the last century. There's a quality here that's very primitive, sacrificial. It's been aroused and resuscitated by events. It needs to be resuscitated because it needs to be dispersed. It's been laying dormant for several thousands of years. I suspect, but I don't know for sure, that it's Celtic, a ritualistic sacrifice. Um, his voice the, the It goes on to say that he is getting visibly tired, right? Right. Like he's under some sort of exertion, he states it may be necessary to get a clearer idea of its origin. I think we have to know what we're dealing with a little more closely. As Burks is sitting there, uh, Bill under his mouth or under his breath just says, "Jesus protect us." Burks pipes up like a release of energy from his body, like all this all this evil has been taken off. He says, "This is interesting." It has some quality of something I've not met in this form before, a quality of what I call a naturist, related to the misuse of natural forces. It arose originally through Celtic nature, worship of celtic nature, worship of a corrupt sort, and was invoked, I think, by a Celtic priesthood in a bad face. Yes, it is. It has it has got an animalistic aspect to it. I want to get close enough to identify it without getting so close that I become identified with it. I don't particularly want that. I thought that was Mm. sucked. Yeah. He says, I think it was originally invoked to create mischief against those who prescribed in some way. Uh, Maybe other tribes, maybe other persons, and it would have struck terror in them. The power of striking terror is now considerably reduced because this is a different culture and won't respond. It is in a sense programmed but it has enough of its original purpose left to cause trouble but mercifully not as bad as it would have done had we been in the sympathy with culture of the day so this is just a watered down wish version of whatever this elemental was that was that was sent out upon this
1: That's fucking crazy
0: He goes on to state it's pre-Christian it does not respond to Christian methods but I think it must be dealt with by the exercise of a particular aspect of love and light, synonymous with it. So that hit me like, if something is pre-Christian, they just they just don't respond to these I don't acts, give a fuck. yeah, these acts of exorcisms or yeah, cleansing. Like that hit me, and I was like, holy shit! Like I didn't think about it.
1: My my brain will have to like really think and absorb that.
0: It's nuts. As he's going through, he's trying to break this thing down by era, and he gets to a point to where he says, we can now bring ourselves forward in time to the Christian era and invoke the love of Christ and power of angelic kingdom to eradicate all of its traces. Um, At this point, there's a crackle of power which blasts through a tape recorder that was being used by one of his uh, helpers. They're recording the whole thing. Which made me think of the microphone crack. Yeah. Down. Of course. Uh, Burks is, he continues talking. He says, The Christ that was invoked on an earlier occasion last year, as well as here on an earlier occasion, is still here and is responding to requests from help in the cleansing of this area. The Christ presence is making itself felt, which also stood out to me. Like, although this entity is not responding to the rituals of Christianity, Christ is still there fighting, which would allude to the cooling off periods of the home. Like, like it might not be able to defeat whatever this is, but it's still there. And it's been there since the first calling of it still trying to fight. Like what kind of entity is, is stood steadfast with Christ for six years.
1: Yeah. A gangster. Yeah. But I mean, it is. That almost leads credence to the amount of thought we put into these things is truly what gives it its power.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, you know when we were told mean? that about like prayer and stuff. Like
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like every every acknowledgement of whatever God there is yeah even if it's it's like it's like downloads on a podcast every single acknowledgement gives it a little bit more juice gives it a little bit more juice and the juice stays it never goes away so one single acknowledgement to this or that gives it a little bit more juice but the fact that this thing is so old and ancient which means matter. so many people had to have believed in this thing or witnessed it or Whatever the case may be.
0: Which, I mean, essentially leads credence to it laughing at the name of Jesus when David prayed. It's like, yeah, like, yeah, like that'll that'll work for a little bit, but it ain't going to work forever.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, just bring the pain. The fact that it just stands toe toe to toe with, at least in the past, however long, the most powerful entity known to mankind.
0: Yep. And they said and as so. and just and just held it held it off. Yeah. You know, just held its ground like, in this uh, in this place.
1: Like like it, it's it, and what's amazing about it is that it gets beat down. It acknowledges it. I mean it it gets beat, but it gets right back up. Yep. It gets beat. It, it does not stop. It is relentless.
0: They Bill goes on to state that he notices the room become lighter as Burks is going through every era that he can touch on to kind of break this thing down eon by eon by eon. And, and instead of cleansing the home, he's cleansing essentially the past and time of this thing that was brought on. Burks said that there is a peace coming to this room, quote, and into this house, a relaxation of ten- of tension said, I'm going to go out of this now. I think I've done the work that is needed. There are one or two points that I would like to make. I think that the entity, for lack of a better word, that was here had been dormant for a very long time. It's pre-Christian, as we've already seen, and as such did not recognize the power of what was done here originally. One important lesson is dealing with something of this sort is to identify its origins and any remedial action has to pay some respect to those specific origins. The Christian aspect can be brought into play here. He gave another breath and he said, I think we will let this rest. So that essentially is where the hauntings stop. After Burks came in, and went through, identified it being pre Christian, broke it down eon by eon. It he essentially said that some of these things will not respond to the power of Christ. They are pre Christ. They are pre pre Christianity, pre religion. They were conjured up old gods. Old gods. It's
1: fucking awesome. And not only is that awesome, but my boy Burke He's OG. Is- that's what I'm saying, dude. The the fact, I think, I relate a lot with Burke, um, because he doesn't really have a denomination. He he's almost like a drifter of sorts, like a John Constantine, uh, a man that is extremely versed. I he has to be extremely versed in just about every known known religion, every, every, all of it. But the fact, I love love the fact that he's like, no. It's almost like he's saying you're kind of missing the point. You don't need to subscribe to Catholicism. You don't need to subscribe to Christianity. What you need is to believe. That's what you need. You just need to believe. Because he's, he... And what he does and what he's doing, he is absolutely 100% acknowledging the existence and reality of Jesus Christ and old ancient world gods.
0: (laughs) Like the, the implications of that are heavy.
1: Well, yeah, that takes, you think about it, Greek mythology, it takes all of it, the Vikings. Egyptian mythology. Egyptians, you have, like me when we were at the conference there in Ohio, me and uh, Justin and Lance from AI were talking about um, how a lot of people have this false sense of security that good will always overcome evil. Almost like, like Jesus and God are so powerful that they always annihilate the evil in the world. And I'm like, I think that's a gross underestimate. You know, you're underestimating dark forces at play because they're fucking gangsters too. Right. You hear of cases where it doesn't pan out the way you think it's going to pan out. You know, they like, like this thing here, this thing, this thing, according to Burke, it doesn't even
0: fucking hear. doesn't even know what Jesus is yeah when it when it was when it was conjured up it it there there was no there was no Jesus there was no christian exactly. like it was before then and the fact that he goes on to state that this is just a mere fraction of what this thing was capable of to the people that subscribed to that specific era of time, this thing was fucked
1: a god. Straight up
0: God. Yes. It kind of gives, gives me goosebumps thinking about it.
1: Fuck yeah, dude. And like I said, it blows it blows your mind to wrap your brain around the idea that there are there are ancient gods out there that haven't even fucking heard the name Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you throw that name at it and it goes, huh?
0: Yeah, which I mean Jesus kind dude? of it's almost like when you think about it, the first time Bill mentioned it it disappeared like god came in there swinging this fucking right hook and hit it and then the next time old boy just laughed at it yeah like that's 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 what you got that's what you got that's fucking crazy dude um but to wrap it up that was the end of any of the paranormal experiences that were going on at the house bill Liz and the kids did decide to move. You can't blame them uh, because afterwards everything started to pick up. Uh, The pets did better. The kids were more well-behaved bills art, interestingly did start to pick up, but it was never to the point to where it was prior to the exorcism. Almost like maybe he did have some dark shit going on in there.
1: Yeah, but it was enough to
0: make some money and get them a new place to live. Um, I did go on they had a little afterward in the book uh they did not remain together bill and liz did get divorced and bill passed away a few years ago 10 or 15 years ago um but that is the end of the hellfire farm again chad uh mark chadborn the book is testimony you can get it on kindle it's fucking Buy awesome it, read it like the interviews with the the people that he touched base with is awesome definitely worth checking out it's not very it's long badass. it's about 220 yeah. pages easy to get through um but yeah it, i never i never thought in all the time we we're dealing with all this weird shit um about and i don't know why Entities predating Christianity and Jesus,
1: because in um, Christianity and Catholicism and all of the New Age religions, that wasn't a that wasn't a reality. Yeah, the reality was is that God created all of it
0: and has been there forever and is
1: always exactly. Which still, you could still argue it. You could find ways to argue that fact. That even though God created it all, there will be entities out there that never heard of it. But what are the odds that these he created things with the juice to stand toe-to-toe with? You know what I mean? And and, and like, rumor has it, like you said, that thing was at a fraction of what it should have been.
0: It was like the wish version of what it was in Celtic times. Right. I would not.
1: If this thing would have got juiced up, who knows what would have happened.
0: What if, what if Bill would have started to look into it before Burke did started subscribing to it? And the more, the more he power he put into it, the worse this fucking thing got.
1: That's what almost made me, I I was going to bring it up when you were talking, but it almost was like this thing used the, uh, was Bill's creeping thoughts as, A way to just can continuously respawn and manifest, you know, because he like you in all the episodes you talk and it's always Bill always has this thought lingering at the back of his head. Boom, you know, because even the guy even tells him, like, just forget about all of it. Let it go. Keep it in the past. Don't think about it. It's like this thing is like a fucking. Insanely quick replicating virus That the moment your thought fucking trickles to it, it goes, all right, I got the juice, baby, let's go. And just back now, I'm back full swing.
0: And it's also weird, like it almost had forces playing in its hand that were beyond Bill and beyond the farm. Like everyone that had any religious context that had been on the farm told them not to work with Burke. Don't work with Burke. Don't work with Burke. Right. He's not. He's not uh, religious. He's not a Christian. Do not work with him. But all of the ones that did had failed. Almost like it had a. It had its like tendrils over the whole. Which, I mean, it did after they put the first psychic. Right. It's hard to tell, man. But the French exorcist hit it on the head saying that it was saying that it was something pagan and super old. Yep. That they kind of wrote off because they just, they wrote in. They told Lawrence, hey, this place is fucked. And then they just left. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence is like, yeah, I know. Look at my busted ass hands and my fucking broke wall. that right. i punched
1: through wild story yeah it was absolutely i didn't think wild. it was gonna go
0: that route when i got into it but
1: so good damn. again so good
0: support uh our chad born in the book testimony go buy it if you're interested uh awesome awesome super good so hollow cult hope this kickstart your monday off right again check us out at all social media facebook instagram youtube twitter tiktok discord reddit be part of the hollow cult share the holocult and until we meet again stay safe stay weird don't fuck with the old gods